So the big question is this, how do veterinarians like you, who live demanding lives, who never seem to have enough time, able to achieve balance and take control of your finances with confidence? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are Florida Veterinary Advisors, and this is the Smarter Vet Podcast. Hey, Smarter Vets, welcome back to another great episode of Smarter Vet Financial Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tom Seco. And today I've got almost, I would say he's almost like Superman in a way because of this, all of the things that he's doing and all of the impact that he's making within the veterinary profession, uh, even in the great state of Texas. Texas is such a huge place. It almost seems like its own country sometimes. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a fantastic conversation we're going to have. And before we jump into today's interview, I want to make mention that if you've not checked out our video course and you're looking for that next step in your financial life, you're looking to reduce some of the stress that you have, make sure to go check it out. Uh, we've got five part video course where it walks you things about getting organized, how to protect yourself properly, how to begin on a savings plan, uh, being able to invest properly, and just really creating a plan. Uh, or if you're just looking to change your approach. So absolutely complimentary to you. And you can find it in the description below from this podcast. So with all of that being said, I want to bring into our conversation today, I've got Dr. Aaron Rayner, who is, he's got so many titles. I think it's amazing because I love when people are doing as much as they are. Uh, he is the founder and CEO and a mentor or Fetch by Dr. Rayner, one of the founders and creators of Gig Veterinary Staffing, and he's the CEO, and then also the managing partner and a veterinarian with Triangle Animal Clinic which I was learning the very interesting story behind that today uh, about how it got its name. So I appreciate you joining me here today, Aaron. Yeah. Hey, Tom. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. And uh, wow, what an intro. I don't know if I can live up to that. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Why not? Um, <laughs> I, I think every so often people deserve to be lifted up a little bit. And uh, I think you're doing a lot of great things for the profession. And I'm sure everyone that doesn't know you or isn't familiar with you will also be able to see all the great things if they look up all the, the activity that you're doing. So, uh, but I would be like, if you would, for a moment, share with our listeners today, just a little bit about how you got into veterinary medicine and how your career has gotten to where it is now. Well, I mean, my career in veterinary medicine, you know, it started in veterinary school and like everybody else, there's opportunities for leadership. And I had al always been very interested in leadership, uh, even in high school as a president of my class for three years. I had an opportunity to be in leadership in vet school as well. So I was the president of our vet class for two years. Just started really getting involved with the Texas Veterinary Medical Association at that point. I was lucky enough to get hooked up with some really great mentors and just be kind of put under their wing a little bit on how to maneuver through organized veterinary medicine. So really and truly, I mean, that's kind of where I started and, and TVMA uh, has been a vital role, uh, played a vital role in my, my success and, and or not success. I mean, it's a great thing to be in organized veterinary medicine. And I don't know that everybody knows that, but I spent about the better part of a decade doing that. That's a, actually pretty amazing that you bring something like that up because I was having a conversation with someone the other day about how she's just, she's fed up with veterinary medicine and just because of, you know, the way how some hospitals are ran and things are going, she's, she's an associate and it just, it, it's incredible. Like the, the different comparisons and the different sides that I see at times. And I'm sure, you know, there's so many different things that you can be doing in veterinary medicine where you don't have to necessarily just be working as a veterinarian if you don't want to. And I'm, I'm actually wondering and curious, since you said you've been in leadership for such a long time, is that something that like, you know, when you're growing up, your family 
kind of pushed you and encouraged you to be that way? Or uh, were you just a very ambitious young, young guy when you were growing up? Like how did all that unfold? I'm an ambitious guy. I mean, that's just part of my DNA. I'm very competitive, played basketball and football at a high level during school. And probably everybody that I came across in life has played a part in that. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, your coaches in school, I mean, I was recruited in basketball, uh, ended up saying, hey, I want to, I want to go the, the academic route. I had broken my ankle my mm -hmm. junior year in high school, but all of those people kind of take and mold you to who you are. Every part of my life along the way has been something that's prepared me for where I'm at today. But I think what's interesting is that, and, and maybe it's younger people or people in different generations, you hear people say that I'm fed up with this or I'm fed up with that. And I think what's been great for me is that being a part of, the, of organized veterinary medicine and the TVMA, I've actually had the opportunity to put my touch on the veterinary profession in Texas and potentially even the nation mm -hmm. as a younger veterinarian uh, and then as I've aged too and watched the profession grow. But I'd like to think that, you know, by being able to have a say in it, that's the way that you're going to be able to change things is have a say. And I don't, I really don't like to sit on the sidelines and watch things unfold, especially if I don't agree or if I think that they, they can be done better. You know, my career, the way it's evolved is that, you know, normally a veterinarian will go through, they'll come out of veterinary school, they'll end up going to practice, and then they get out of practice later in life, and then they go into veterinary, organized veterinary medicine. Well, I did that, I flipped it on its head, mm -hmm. you know, and so most of the people that I ever uh, was on an executive board with within TVMA were in a different generation than me, and I think it was amazing to be able to interact with them. But I think it was also to them, I think it was very rewarding to see a different perspective and it was refreshing. Absolutely. But it's cool to, to see that you went into a, a different path and you've grown in being able to see the impact that you're having in the veterinary community and the industry. And I find it so fascinating for the people that are looking for a shift in their career, wanting to do things like there are a lot of really neat things that are out there. And I, I find it like when I just look at your story from where you started to where you are and all the things you've got going on, uh, because, you know, you started within, you know, some of the leadership and doing the things in TVMA, and then you've trans, you, you practice as a veterinarian, and then you started these pretty cool companies from what I've seen so far is you've got your, your mentoring company, and then you've also got your, your staffing company that got started. You know, how did, how did you go from being with the TVMA and practice practicing as a veterinarian to now having these new opportunities that are in front of you? Well, just my energy level is, is one thing I've always got to have something going on. So I'm still practicing every single day. Uh, <laughs> and I love practicing, but one of the things that TVMA did that transitioned to me whenever I actually, uh, exited the executive board from TVMA during my presidency during 2018, I actually had five task forces and one of them, uh, we, I tasked the group to look at the different generations in the profession and how, how do they differ and how do we speak to each generation? Uh, what do they want to do? That's, that was very important to me to draw light and shed light on different generations, to be able to show and be able to, to make and influence policy, even at the legislative level level. Uh, and one of the things that actually came out of that was the staffing company. And so I think that gig being launched here just recently is, I think this could be a really huge thing for us. Uh, number one, I think that for students, that are wanting to get out if they don't want to necessarily go into practice 
full time right away, they're going to have an opportunity to do some relief work in, in places and they can actually control their own schedule. you know, to me now, um, veterinary medicine is changing so much that when you have your family unit and you have your, your kids and, you know, one person may be working, two people may be working. It's just so busy. And uh, I, I really think that Gig offers you a way to get money and to earn money, but also it, it offers you the ability to say, no, I'm not going to work on Wednesday because my son has football practice and I'm the coach of his team. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what's really rewarding for me, you know, and I think for students, uh, I think that for a lot of the younger generation, uh, Gen X and and younger, I think that they, that may actually become a career path. I can see this type of of activity becoming a career path. And then not only that, but on the flip side of that, on the end, you know, when you're actually coming out of your career and you sold your practice, Hey, maybe you still want to kind of do some things, you know, but you don't necessarily want to see some new new ways of practicing. And maybe you wanted to work, uh, you know, in another town, or maybe you're traveling and you're retired, you're traveling the nation and you want to go eat, eat that Memphis barbecue and, and Hey, well, let's look on, let's look on gig and see if Memphis has any, any jobs available. So I don't know. I mean, I just feel like that we have to start thinking entrepreneurially. I feel like we have to start thinking out of the box and uh, I've dealt with this my entire life. You know, it's, and this is a mantra of mine. I, you really, you can't make a change by just sitting. Uh, you have to, you have to act. Um, and I feel like that I'm, I'm always going to, if I see something that could, could help, I'm going to at least try to look into it and try to act and coming out of TVMA, learning, learning so much of what I did over the, over those 10 years and even more actually, you know, really think that that, that was very helpful in, in the starting of gig. Hopefully it takes off. Yeah, it'd be great. Absolutely. What, what was it that before gig got started because of the task force that helped design this or create the idea? Uh, what was available before? Were people just having to try to figure out or call lots of different practices? Like what were they doing? Well, that's the thing is that, so we're having a shift in our macroeconomic uh, society right now. So there's different things happening within the nation, right? With, with economics and finance. I think that whenever you have uh, people that are that are looking for jobs, you got to know how to look for a job. Right. And I found that a lot of veterinarians don't know how to go look for that either relief job or go look for a job, partly because there's not many people out there that are offering services to, that will provide that. But, but the other part is they just don't, they don't know how to go find it or they don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other, the other, on the other side of the coin, you have the, the hospitals and, you know, they're, they're trying to make their key performance indicators and metrics and really trying to keep overhead low. And, and, uh, but they also want to go on vacation, you know, as some of these practice owners and, and you either don't get a relief person in, or you make your staff, uh, just run without you, or you can get somebody in, uh, to do some relief. But what I found is that what, what they end up, the practice owner and the veterinarian end up doing is the practice owner generally says, man, this relief vet wants how much for Mm -hmm. their, for their services. Oh man, that's, they can't produce that much in my practice. And then the relief vet says they want to pay me how much? I mean, I'm way, I'm worth way more than that, you know, and they're starting to know how much they're worth. And at that moment in time, Nobody knows anything about how much they can, the relief vet doesn't know how much they can produce for the practice and neither does the practice know how much the relief worker can produce for them. And it's just at face value, communications break down. And so what's out there right now, 
Uh, there's not many online platforms. Uh, what's been out there has been out there forever. And I just thought that it's been a stale. It's not online. Uh, some of these relief services, you know, you, you have to do, sign contracts. They have such limitations on what you can do uh, as a veterinary worker. They have limitations on what you can do or hire as a, as a, as a hospital owner. And I don't know, like I have a, I have a problem with non-veterinarians with all due respect, non-veterinarians saying exactly what a veterinarian relief veterinarians should get paid. I, I don't like the fact that some of these and most of the relief services, they actually, they set the price. They're driving the market, which means that they can drive the market up and that's going to anger or make the hospital owner have another communication breakdown. Uh, it's going to make the relief vet happy, but what's going to end up happening is that that relief service is taking so much out of that hospitals pay to be able to pay the relief worker barely what they want to get paid uh, and sometimes lower. I feel like that they're just making so much money off of it and not one veterinarian or maybe one veterinarian is involved, but not many veterinarians are involved in the CEO realm of it to be able to say, hey, let's go in here and let's do something good for the profession. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we're doing at GIG, that's our ultimate goal is to help the profession. The second goal is to make it simple, which is going to help the profession. And the next thing is we want to have, we want to reduce the communication breakdown between hospitals and relief vets. And what that means is that somebody's going to have to take a hit and pay. So there's three people involved in that. There's a hospital owner, there's a relief vet, and there's GIG. Well, I want the hospital owners to be able to make, I want the hospital owners to not have to pay nearly as much as they usually do. But also I want the relief vets to be able to get as, most mo as much money as they possibly can. And what that means is gig is going to have to, gig is going to basically eat that cost and happily, happily, because I think it's going to help the profession. I mean, I'm, I'm a practicing veterinarian every single day. Happily, we want to be transparent and I, when you get onto gig.vet, uh, what you're going to see is if you post something as a hospital, you're going to see that we're taking, says 10% on as you, as you sign up uh, and post your job. Whenever somebody else is taking, and some of those others are taking 25% out of, out of the, the money that's there, and it's too much. You know, I mean, I, I got it. I, that's their business model. It's business, it's finance. I think it's great what they're doing. You know, hey, I've got the opportunity to, to help the profession by squeezing my margin. We'll happily do it. How does how do people or practices be able to get connected with gig and how do people find out about gig? So like if someone like, let's say, wants to find a relief position and you'd mentioned like they want to go take a vacation somewhere, uh, is gig actively looking to open more doors with practices or is it more of just encouraging to just try to keep growing the community of gig? Like how does that work right now? Well, uh, what we're trying to do is get hospitals to actually post jobs onto the web, onto the site and onto the platform. <clears throat> what we have to do is get hospitals first to, to provide the jobs, which we know the jobs are out there. That's imperative. Yeah. And then once we get the relief, the, the relief worker is is going to be the hard part, right? Because they're off, they're, they're one-offs, right? They're in different areas. They're all over the nation. They're in their homes. They're harder to find. So without the, the hospital getting too concerned about not having people find their jobs, we got to, 
have the jobs on there first, then we've got to go get the relief worker. And they're what we're doing, trying to do that at the same time. Essentially, what you do is you you sign onto the platform. It's free to sign up and for both hospitals and for relief vets. You can peruse around and see what you think and behind your computer computer screen and nobody's going to know. And once you decide you want to actually, as a relief vet, if you see a, 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 a gig or a job, you can request the job. It's at that moment that the hospital is triggered. Like if the hospital says, hey, I want to hire you, it's at that moment that we start asking for, you know, information on how you want to pay, how do you want to get paid, uh, right. things like that. We're going to do a 1099, uh, do it on 1099 basis. And, and we handle that for you. And, and as the relief that, so the, that's one thing. The practice is then paying gig and then gig is then paying the relief veterinarian. Right, exactly. But what's, what's, what I think is important to note there during that process is that only if the veterinarian shows up, works the gig, and once the veterinarian, once the hospital, re, the hospital releases the payment, mm-hmm. they're the ones who says that the, the gig was worked, the gig was completed, therefore, go ahead and release my payment to this particular veterinarian. Gotcha. And so, you know, we want everybody to, we don't want people to think that they're, you know, paying their, their money down and it's just sitting you know, without mm-hmm. having a job right. you know, identified. It sounds very similar to other types of programs that are out there from what I've, I've even used. I think of like with my dogs, for instance, I use a program called Rover or a platform called Rover when I was looking for a sitter for them all the time. And then you pay the platform and then they end up paying the uh, the sitter. But I don't, I, it sounds like the, the, the compensation, depending on maybe the model is very similar in a way. And I think it's pretty awesome to know that, you know, especially for certain veterinarians that are out there, I will say there's a, a wide spectrum it seems you got ones that are very introverted and you got ones that are very extroverted. It seems like a lot of them tend to be more introverted and being able to have conversations and going out there and finding the opportunities. Um, you know, one of, one of our clients, like she's, she's been a relief vet for a while. Um, and she's like, she's all over the place. She's definitely one of those people that are not shy. Uh, but then there's some others that I know that have transitioned to relief work and it's, you know, they, they, they're concerned about how are they going to find their jobs and go find good locations and hospitals they want to work for. And I, I see this as a, a prime opportunity for a large group of people that are, you know, especially whoever's listening right now could be uh, being able to utilize your, your platform to find those next opportunities for them, which I think is, is a really cool thing, especially if they're maybe looking to pick up some extra, extra shifts alongside with what the, the current work they're doing. It could be even other opportunities. So that's really cool. What we said about gig was, uh, you know, from the heart. And I mean, I think that the thing that I really want, you know, not, not just a listener or I want to leave this profession when I retire that says, Hey man, he, he changed that profession. Like he, he made a little bump a little bit. He made it better. Right. And, uh, anything that I do, that's what I want to do. I mean, I, I have, I have this, these value statements and these, these words that are super important to me, but it, it's excellence, integrity, respect, loyalty, leadership, and selfless service. And I think that for me, I live my life by that. And uh, whether it's my family, whether it's TVMA, whether it's gig, whether it's coaching my son's football team, I want to I be impactful in a positive way. And so I enjoy that. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. I, I love everything that we've, we've definitely have talked about today. And, you know, for people who are listening and you're interested in wanting to connect with Dr. 
Rainer and you want to just talk to him or you want to look at his mentoring stuff. Uh, also, at the same time, if you want to look at gig and you're trying to find some positions, uh, I'm going to include all of the information to be able to reach him and all of his different resources that are available. And, you know, I, I, I love to always end these conversations on a just a kind of a different twist on things. And one question I want to ask you, and I'm going to completely throw a curveball at you. I don't think you're ready for this one. Uh-oh. If you were an animal, which <laughs> animal would you be? If I were an animal, which animal would I be? I would be a lion, without okay. a doubt. You know, the reasoning is because, not not, not because of the king of the jungle, but because they're respected. You know, they can go around the, the Sahara and and uh, you, you look at such a majestic animal and, and see, you know, how much power, uh, strength power that they have. And uh, just admire that. And they go get what they want. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're doing it for the betterment of their pride. And so that's that's what I would do. Perfect. I love it. So, well, if I ever see you in another life, if we do come back as animals, I might see you as an lion then. So we'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how that plays out, but I do appreciate you joining me here today and, I, and everything that you've had to share with us. Thank so, you very much. It's been a, it's been a really, it's been a good, good talk and a pleasure. It's been very fun. Awesome. Well, again, everyone who's listening, if you want to get in contact with Dr. Rayner, you'll find all of his information below. If you want to take a look at our video course that we have on the foundational steps of financial balance, make sure to go check out that you'll find it below as well. And, you know, again, smarter vets, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your day and wishing you a lifetime of financial success. Don't forget to visit our website and sign up for our newsletter. By subscribing, you'll be the first to know about upcoming race approved CE webinars, podcast releases, short presentations, and articles that we publish. Make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. CJ Burnett and Tom Seco are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, and financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. CJ Burnett's and Tom Seco's California licenses are 0K79676 and 0K80141, respectively. Security products and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, a registered broker-dealer, investment advisor, member of FINRA and the SIPC, and a wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. Florida Venture Advisors is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. This podcast is for information purpose only. Only guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Florida Veterinary Advisors, and opinions stated are their own. Submission number 2021-1275737 expires September 2023.